This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts. Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey and thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, every Saturday morning we're here now. Gosh, we're doing the Smart Investing Show in San Diego on local radio for 27 years, probably closer to 28 years since we're in October. I believe that started October 28 years ago. Anyways, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, the phone number to call in to get those questions answered is 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. And as always, that'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Well, Chase, good morning. Good morning. Great, uh, great week. The weeks just go by so quickly anymore, it seems. Yeah, and I I know it, it's just flying on by, and I apologize. I, I'm looking for. I know we just started Facebook Live. I thought, but I can't find it on <laughs> on, well, on Facebook. Is it running live on there, but yeah, not on yours? Or yeah, just, let me check. All right, yeah, go go ahead and check, and and I'll talk about summarize some of the things we're going to talk about on the show today because we we want to mention the earnings that are starting to come out from the banks. We're going to talk about uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, we want to talk about retail sales. They came out, and we're going to discuss those. And then lastly, we're going to talk about uh, the Coca-Cola drink tab. You maybe remember that drink. We're going to talk about that one as well. So uh, we got a lot of things to talk about. And as always, when you call in, we, we give you that uh, opinion on what you're looking at buying, selling, holding. We do take other investment questions as well. Say you're thinking about, well, I'm not sure if I should be investing in bonds, or maybe I need alternative investments, or maybe I should be in gold or something. Uh, we will give you our opinion on that. I've been in the investment world now for over 40 years. I know what you're thinking. I, I look younger than I, than I uh, would be in the world for 40 years. Years, but it is true. Uh, just joking on that. Uh, and then, if you call in about a company, we, we will look at the valuation ratios. We call them companies, their equities, stocks. We'll look at the valuation ratios, what you're paying for the earnings, the book value, the cash flow uh, of, of that business, and the sales. If it pays a dividend, how much do you use and of their earnings to pay that dividend? We'll also look at the growth rates. What are their sales growing at? What are their earnings growing at? How strong is that company? This is so important during difficult times. The financial strength, what is their liquidity, and also, too, what's their debt to equity. We'll also look at the effectiveness of the company as far as the return on equity, the net profit margin. Also, too, how efficient are they? with their receivables and also their inventory. And then we do look at the mean of the analysts to say, well, what do they think the earnings going to be going forward to say what that business could or should be worth going forward? So that's what we do when we break down a company. <coughs> Chase, is the Facebook working? Or Yep, we're, we're good. good to go we're, now. We're going. Okay. Well, I did tease a little bit with uh, some things we're going to talk about before we open the phone lines. And again, write these down. Phone number again is 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866 577 2473, but we do want to bring out some important topics that happened out last week. <clears throat> Let's start off with a JP Morgan Chase. Uh, there's been different uh, reports on that, and, and, and 
we're off to a great start here. And the banks are so important because of the fact that they they finance the economy, we'll call it. And not only did they beat on earnings with an EPS of $2.92 versus the estimate of two twenty three. And revenue of $29.9 billion, which is nearly $1.5 billion higher than estimates. But the main highlight that we saw was the company actually reduced its loan loss reserve by $569 million. Chase, we've talked about this. We're starting to see the things we've talked about. Again, we say it would take 12 to 18 months, but we're starting to see it now with a reduction in the loan loss reserve. Yeah, and, and, and the thing that I think is so important here is banks typically are more conservative with those loan loss reserves than what's actually going to happen. I mean, there might be a case where oh my gosh, they didn't set it enough set aside enough, but most of the time they're they're over aggressive when it comes to setting that money aside. And the reason I want to point that out is I mean, JP Morgan Chase's CEO Jamie Dimon, very well known, very well renowned in the banking industry, he actually said, you know, if the company's base economic case occurs, it could be over reserved by 10 billion dollars. I mean, that is a huge... Say that again, just so people hear that number again. Yeah, $10 billion in over-reserved money if, again, it's just their base case economic scenario. I think we could see better than the base case economic scenario as well, which could mean even more loan loss reserves come off the table, which helps the bank's earnings and helps with the bank's liquidity. I mean, it's just... I think a phenomenal time to be looking at the right banks. And why that's so important is that $10 billion reversal becomes income which it goes back to the bank. And, and that's why it's so important. We've talked about this. And that's why people say, oh, I'm staying away from the banks. You're missing a big point. Again, it doesn't mean the bank's going to go up tomorrow, but we're going to be 12, 18, 24 months from now, $10 billion added to their income on top of normal things that they're doing. That's huge. I saw the exact same thing happen in 2008, 2009, by 2010, 2011. Like, wow, the banks are making so much money. People are like, wow, look what they're doing. And it was all accounting because of the big losses, the loan loss reserve they took earlier when they reverse them. And this time, it's even better because of how strong real estate is staying. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <clears throat> and I mean, it's not just JP Morgan Chase either. I mean, you looked at all the other banks. Uh, they did take some loan loss expenses for that quarter, but they were a lot lower. Right. Than the last quarter. So things are slowing down. And I think, again, the banks are being a, lot, a little bit more conservative than they need to be, which should really help the economy as we move forward in terms of you know having those banks have good earnings uh, as we move into 2021, which is weird to say. And I want to kind of just kind of tag on to that and kind of switch gears a little bit because uh, next week, we'll, you know, we have more earnings coming out from companies. And this is going to be so important because, and I forget the number, I think like 22 companies reported prior to last week, and I think 80% beat the estimate. I, I keep telling people, people are worried. I mean, now the cases for coronavirus are up. Oh my gosh, I'm afraid next week's going to be terrible. It's going to be fighting with the fact that earnings are going to be coming out from businesses, and I think they're going to many, many are going to beat the estimates. Why? Because last quarter, many companies were not giving guidance. The analysts came out with estimates, but I think they were very, very low. So I would not be surprised at all to see some very good earnings beats next next week, which should stabilize the market as opposed to the concern on. I think I saw, well, I forget, I think eight million dollar, eight million dollar, eight million cases of coronavirus, which is going to kind of scare people, but it's going to be offset, I believe by earnings coming out from good companies. I I still look at it, and there's a lot less worry, I would say, in the the public. I mean, you Mm -hmm. go back to April. I mean, people were freaked out about the cases, and now it seems like 
a lot of people aren't even concerned about it anymore. Right. And I, I think that's a, a good thing for business because people are spending money and, you know, we got some good data on that coming up here shortly. But uh, I, I think as we continue to move forward that people and businesses are going to move past this coronavirus issue. And as I've said many times, I mean, the very beginning of April, I was so afraid of it, was because mortality rate was projected to be so high. Well, that's proved not to be the case, that you, you could get it, could be asymptomatic, um, you may get it, not be as bad, and there will be people out there that get it, and like when you get the flu, sometimes you get the flu, and it's really bad, it turns into pneumonia, and you can pass away from that. Same thing with coronavirus, but it's not the major mortality uh, death rate that they thought it was going to be, and I think that could be why some people are saying, you know what, okay, if I get it, I'm not going to be happy, I'll try to avoid getting it, obviously, the same thing you do with the flu, but it's not going to be this major thing. We're going to have millions of people dying that they projected there. So I'm, I'm hoping that you're right on that, that people are not thinking it's as bad of a situation and they focus more on earnings and investing next week. Yeah, and I, I just, I really think <clears throat> kind of going back to the banks, a lot of them didn't do well, even though the earnings were quite good for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I, I still think a lot of people, oh, you know, still the concern around the banks and I that's going to dissipate. And the thing is that the earnings are strong. We talk about also, I wanted to bring up the net interest income. The banks are, are hurting right now because interest yeah. rates are so low. I mean, on one side of it, they don't have to pay as much in terms of the checking and savings account right. interest. I mean, you go and, oh, yeah, I'll give you 0.01%. Well, okay, I guess that's what everybody else is giving. So that's not a huge expense of the bank. But also when they're loaning out money, they're not charging as high of interest rates, which hurts their income as well. A lot of times, banks' biggest moneymaker is that net interest income. Right, right. So, what I'm looking at, and even though the Fed might not increase interest rates, the bank's interest rates, mortgage rates, they can still increase without the Fed's Fed fund rate moving up. And I do believe we will start to see higher interest rates, most likely next year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, oh, we're going to go back to a 5% mortgage or anything no, crazy like no. that. But even if you get a quarter of a percent, a half a percent, you talk about banks that have trillions of dollars in capital. That's a lot of money in terms of the net interest income. So I, I'm just ecstatic about the banks here. I, I think there's a huge opportunity. Plus, you get nice dividends with most of them. And I do believe we'll see the restrictions from the Fed lifted next year um, that was placed on these banks as well. So they could perhaps repurchase stock again and also increase their dividends. Uh, Great opportunity, I think, yeah, for people. I, I think you're right now. And also, too, don't forget that financial companies also benefit as well. Not just the banks, but financial companies. I mean, you got what Capital One, Secret Financial. You got different financial yeah. companies will benefit as well. So, uh, a lot of good things to look at there. Speaking of good things to look at, let's talk about the good news and bad news with the real estate. Uh, not real estate, but the retail sales. Uh, first, the good news: retail sales rose by 1.9 percent, which is well above the estimate of 0.7 percent. Now, this level of sales also was five. 5.4% higher than last September. Now, the bad news comes in when we saw industrial production drop by 0.6%, missing the estimate of an increase of 0.5. So we have a disconnect here of people buying stuff, but it's not being manufactured. And you know what people don't realize could happen with that? Is if you have too much money chasing too few goods, that is a classic example of, or the reason for, rising prices, rising inflation. 
Yeah, and it's it's a big concern on terms of the inflation front, and kind of going back to interest rates. That's why I do think we'll start to see inflation start to creep in. And again, I'm not saying we're going to go back to five percent yeah. inflation, but we will start to see some type of inflation, which generally leads to interest rate increases, which so, helps the banks, which helps the banks, <laughs> and also hurts other stocks as well. So, got to really understand your investment plan if we do have inflation kick in. But the other concern I wanted to bring up with this industrial produ- production compared to the retail sales, we talked about the imports and exports last week. Yep. This, again, fuels my concern about increasing imports from other countries because clearly the demand side is very strong. It's the supply side that's the issue. And if we can't produce the goods, well, I still want my new car. Or I still want yeah. my new refrigerator or my new whatever it might be. Oh, we can't produce it here. I guess I'll buy it from Germany, which helps their economy. We need to be able to increase this production and the output for manufacturing. Right, and one thing on the manufacturing, I, I didn't, I, and I didn't dig deep for, it, but I didn't read or find anywhere what's going on with the manufacturing. Why is it because they can't find workers? We've talked about we have a home building portfolio that having a hard time finding workers to construct the the houses and so forth. I believe in the manufacturing, it's a similar story to where they're having a hard time getting people back into the factories to work. Um, and maybe also, too, it's a shortage of factories in general where they don't have the factories to put people into to work to meet the the the, uh, the, the demand that we have. Yeah. yeah. And I, I did also see in that manufacturing and uh, production survey, um, it was the first decline that we've seen really since things fell off the cliff there in April. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of... I'll say a little bit positive is, you know, you're not going to have again month after month after month, just these huge increases. And we were about 6.4% below February's level. So really before the pandemic ensued. So, I mean, we're just not where we need to be, but we're again making process on it. And I want to make sure we can continue to make that progress Mm -hmm. on it. Because if not, that's where our export-import imbalance will continue to struggle. And actually, I do believe if the demand is there, uh, they will try to find every way they can to meet that demand. Because it is a shame when we get stimulus money, which there will be another stimulus package. I don't know if before the election, after the election, but there's another one coming. I just hate to see that stimulus money go to China or Germany or somewhere else. I'd like to see that stimulus money stay here in the U.S. so that, again, we can create more jobs. We can build our country and so forth. That's why I tell people all the time. Try not to buy things on Amazon. Uh, if you can, try to buy them in your local economy to benefit your local economy so the restaurants open up and you have a, a nice place. Because if not, you, you know, think about how bad that could be on, on the extreme side is that if you don't buy locally, eventually businesses start closing down, real estate prices fall, you lose your job. So again, it's this major thing you got to think about helping out your local economy. I don't care if you're in San Diego or Kansas uh, City, Nebraska, or whatever, you, you should be buying locally. Yeah, absolutely. Especially during this time. Very so, important. I did also want to talk a little bit more detail on these retail sales. Yes, and I did want to, I want to bring that up because I know you had some great numbers on there that I, I did want to hear because it really breaks it down. So, said, what, what do you got there? Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's so interesting. I, I, looking at these numbers, you would never guess we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, you look at the retail sales here. Retail and food services, the total amount that we look at here, the nine-month Obviously, we're through September now. Right. Year to date. For 2020 compared to 2019, that's down just 0.8%. I mean, (laughs) that is (laughs) so small. And again, you got to remind people, in a pandemic, quote unquote. Right. The other thing you look at here, well, let's take out gas stations, because people weren't driving as much for a lot of this year and still aren't really consuming as much gas as we normally do. They're actually up 0.6%. 
if you exclude gas stations. I mean, that that's crazy. And if you exclude motor vehicle and parts and gasoline stations, retail sales are up 1.2%. And you also have to consider with this, take a look at food services and drinking places. That's down 20.1% compared to last year. So we're spending money, yes. but it's just in different areas. And hey, it makes sense. A lot of these restaurants were closed <laughs> for yeah. a couple months. How are you supposed to spend money there if they're not even open? So the thing I'm looking at is these restaurants, a lot of these other brick and mortar stores, I think they will have very strong retail sales numbers next year as the comparison is pretty darn easy considering a lot of places it was zero. Right. So we'll see an increase there. But this thing I want to point out, people, oh, people are so scared. If people are scared, they will not be spending money. I mean, you go back and look at the financial crisis. Retail sales were a disaster. This is quite strong considering everything that we've seen happen this year. And I'm so glad you bring up those numbers because a lot of people say, oh, things aren't any better and so forth. They're better in different areas. Now, if, again, if you look at travel, that is not better. Look at hotels, not better. But there's money is being spent in different places. And, uh, you know, I take my fiance out for, for dinner every Friday night or, or date night. Uh, last night, we went to one of your favorite restaurants as well, R- Ruth Chris and, and Del Mar. And it wasn't packed because they got that social distancing on the tables, but every single one of those tables inside was full. And what I can see from outside, they were full. So people are going out to dining. Um, and I saw a good mix of crowds from people that are five years old to people that are 80 years old. So people want to go out and dine. They want to get back to that. So, And we do have a benefit here in San Diego because of the warm weather that could be concerned for people back east on when it gets colder, how they're going to handle the crowds. So. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, well, hopefully we, we can move through this and those places can stay open because if not, it's going to be very, very difficult for a lot of those states. And I have heard from, uh, I think, Johnson Johnson, Pfizer, they're talking a uh, vaccine by the end of the uh, month of November, I've heard. For emergency use. Yeah, I did see yeah, that. Yeah. So, so it wouldn't be widely distributed yet, but right. it's a it's a step in the right direction. Right, right. And, and, and again, because it, it makes you feel, because before, and again, I talked earlier in the show, back in April, we were so afraid, gosh, if we get COVID-19, it's going to kill you. Well, that's not the case now. The mortality rate's not that high. And now with a vaccine for emergency uses only, that's going to help you. And actually, the treatments for vaccine, I think, have helped a lot. I, I don't even hear about the ventilators anymore. Remember how the ventilators, oh, we're going to have, yeah. I don't hear about it anymore. So the, the medications have really improved. As we said, six months ago was going to happen because of how much money the drug companies are putting into this, how advanced they are. Even the computer systems, when you think about how fast computers are now versus even 20 years ago, this is what we talked about, why we're here now, and we felt so comfortable back in uh, March, April, that we'd be here now because of how smart you know we become and the computers, how rapid they are, that we focus. And drug companies spend billions and billions of dollars to get, the, get here, and we're here. So I, I think uh, the COVID-19, while it's still scary, um, it's really reduced the, the risk of uh, the, the death rate. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, before we move on, I did just want to kind of... Sure. A couple other numbers. I, I, I was just blown away by it. And also, Are you getting more you, numbers you, on retail yeah, sales? You, you okay. can go to <laughs> you know, the United States Census Bureau. I'm not pulling these numbers from you know some opinion-based source. This is actually from the United States Census Bureau. And look at these retail so- sales numbers. I mean, it's, it's just... Amazing. It's so exciting. I don't know why people don't... Why does everybody do this? It's so exciting. I I don't know. What are people missing? I don't know. (laughs) But the thing I I was looking at here is, you know, kind of talking about confidence and and people feeling okay. Um, A lot of people weren't buying cars 
in the middle of the pandemic. So we, we really saw a slowdown. I mean, but even year to date right now, motor vehicle and parts dealers, it's down about 1.6% year to date. What's happening is we had those months where there was nothing really occurring. If you look at September 2019 compared to September 2020, motor vehicle and parts dealers, that was up 10.9% mm-hmm. compared to the month of September last year. I think we could actually see positive gains, perhaps, by the end of the year if we continue on this trajectory, because we'll obviously recoup that negative 1.6% if we can still continue to see these high, high growth rates. I mean, nobody's going to be buying a car if they're worried about their financial future. Right. And you shouldn't be buying cars. Yeah, you should not be buying You're you're right. But the other thing, too, that's going to change is that in, uh, what, a couple weeks come Tuesday, uh, we're going to have a major election. People could be holding off on spending because of that as well. We know investment wise, we talk to some people like, well, I'm going to wait till after the election to invest, which is, I, I think, a big mistake. But again, it's still an emotional thing, whether it's investing or maybe going out and buying a new car. You know, well, I want to wait to see who, who yeah. wins the election. So, um, so we could see a major boom November, December, and maybe a great. Uh, Christmas season as well, which we've talked about, will be spread over time. So l- let's move along here because I know we want to open the phone lines. Yeah, I, was say, yeah. I got my my fix on the numbers. We got all the good numbers out. Um, by the way, you want to call in? You got an investment question? I uh, want to talk about a company that you're looking at buying, selling, or holding? 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. Two four seven three, and then I'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Right now, let's uh, finish up with uh, our, our commentary on, on uh, Coca-Cola. Uh, this week, they announced that Tab, which maybe you'll say, what is Tab? Uh, they're finally dropping this diet drink that from their beverage lineup. I mean, it came out in the 70s. And like when I asked you about it, you go, no, never heard of it. Um, it's still on the shelf somewhere, um, but they're dropping it at the end of this year. And uh, I, 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 it's amazing that it's gone this long because the drink, I remember being like very nasty tasting, but it was diet. Yeah, I've never seen it. So, yeah. I mean, when you brought it up, I was like, what is, what is Tab? I, I Actually, I'll... Kind of review a lot of the posts you write uh, right. to make sure the grammar looks good and everything. Right. And I was like, Tab, like, is that a even a <laughs> thing? And did you misspell? Because you dictate. That's, that's the yeah, problem. I do dictate. You dictate your posts, and I'm like, oh, I'll take a look at it. And I, I look up, like, oh, I got to look up this tab. Like, is that right? And I'm like, sure enough, tab is a uh, diet soda. And, yeah, I was like, yeah. and not right. just a diet soda, but it was the first diet soda. Or one of Because I think a lot of you who's in our office said there was another one that it competed with or something. But no, she's talking about Ditto. Those were pants. Oh, those, those were pants. pants. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> we're, we're going back in the 70s here. So yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't even thought of back then. But um, it, it was the, the first diet drink it was such a big thing. Like, oh, wow, you can drink a soda and have no sugar, no calories. It was just huge. And and I'm kind of wondering, uh, because being the first one, should I run out and buy a six-pack of Tab, put it on the shelf, because maybe in 20 years, um, it could be worth money, because it was the first diet drink. So Belongs in a museum, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But so. <laughs> the reason I, I'm shocked that they kept it around for so long, I mean, kind of bringing it to a business perspective, the distribution costs. Yep. The manufacturing costs of it. Uh, also, when you have stores keep it on the shelves, that costs money. Yeah, space. Yeah. Why in the world do they still have Tab? I can't imagine it was making them any money. 
I do remember years ago that there was talk about it, and there was people that really were big Tab fans, and they really liked it. I think a very small percent, but there were some people who really liked that that drink, and and I I, I do. There's probably gonna be a big shortage of it now. Maybe they, they won't stop in December because oh, everybody wants Tab now. <laughs> but I think just to go out and try it to see what it's like, um, or, or to, but as I, I said for for uh, you know history and be a, a good investment twenty years down the road, probably you pay I don't know five dollars for the six pack, and maybe in and, and at 20 years, it's worth 100 bucks. Who knows? But um, there's still people out there that probably like it, which I, I, I don't get it because Diet Coke and we well, have Coke Zero now. Um, they, they taste pretty darn good, I think. Yeah. I, blows me away. Yep. So, all righty. Phone number is 866 577 2473. Again, that's 866 277 2473. Uh, let's go to our emails. Now, if you ever want to email a question to us because you don't want to come on air, you say, oh, I'm afraid, you know, I might get it wrong or I'm not sure, you know, what I'm going to say, you can email us the questions. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And just to put in there that what you want to talk about, uh, we'll, we'll read it, we'll, we'll pick it up. Uh, sometimes we get pretty busy here on the show. We don't get uh, to get to them, but we always will try to get to them for you. But just write down what you want to talk about. We'll put out the email. We'll bring it here on the show, and we'll, we'll do it. And this is what Mike did. He said, uh, maybe you can review PDM, which is Piedmont Office Realty Trust. Uh, it was in the portfolio in the past. So let's take a look at Piedmont. Their symbol is PDM. Uh, let me get things ready here because I'm kind of a little bit behind. And I think the computer is more turned uh, I, I feel like we're more twisted up this morning. I can't. I can't move things very well. Um, so let's take a PDM. And uh, I, I guess uh, kind of gave away a little tidbit there. Uh, what's that? <laughs> that we did hold Piedmont in the portfolio. Yes, a few I did years do that. Ago. Yeah, we did. We did hold it. Yeah, and and, and uh, it, it is a uh, commercial real estate office uh, REIT, real estate investment trust. Okay. And darn it, now I lost the mouse. There we go. Okay, let's get this right here. Gosh, hard to get going sometimes on the radio show. All right, there it is. Came up a Piedmont Office Realty Trust. Now, uh, we look at the, the, the past PE, which is 4.5, which is very low. And Chase will talk more about the FFO, but we do want to look at the earnings as well. But they were 4.5 in the PE versus not material for the industry. Price to sale is very expensive, though. 3.1 versus 1.8. Price to book value, 1. That's very good because the industry is at 1.26. And price to cash flow is 3. Three versus not material for the industry. So that means they actually have cash flow. Now you get a very nice dividend of 6.3%. And I love this. The dividend payout ratio is only 28%. They only use about a quarter of their earnings to pay that out. So that's a big positive. Their sales growth year over year up 2.1%. Industry down 9.8%. Earnings per share climbed by 213%. Industry down 201%. But you got to ask yourself a question how can they grow earnings at 213%? When sales are only up two, balance sheet current ratio not material. Uh, total debt to equity eighty three versus two seventy five. I like seeing that. Uh, return on equity wow twenty point four versus a negative three point three. Net profit margin sixty eight point seven versus a negative five point five. What I'm now worried about is perhaps they sold some buildings maybe in the last twelve months. That's why they have such a high profit margin and a good PE and so forth. So you got to really understand these businesses when we look at them. And the receivable turnover is three point two. 
versus 6.2. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so the current price here for Piedmont is $13.35. 52-week high is $24.78. And 52-week low, $12.86. And again, we, we look at FFO for these real estate investment trusts, which stands for Funds from Operations. Reason is it's a kind of a better proxy almost for like a cash flow type thing. And the reason it's so important for these real estate investment trusts is there's so many more different accounting kind of regulations mm-hmm. that comes into it. I mean, you talk about depreciation. Well, that's a non-cash expense, but they're huge when you own tons of real estate. Also, you brought up the earnings and the fluctuation that we're seeing there. When they buy and sell those buildings, they could sell a building. Let's say that they bought it back you know, 10 years ago and they had 100% gain on it. They sell it that year. Wow, that's a huge gain for them. Their earnings go way up. So that's why looking at the earnings is very, I don't want to say misleading, but it, it's very confusing it's the to the average story. person. You have yeah, to yeah. really look at, I think, the FFO and the earnings yep. to understand the full picture. But when we get our target sell price, we do look at funds from operations. I go out to December 2021. I see the estimate for FFO, $1.92. Wow. This will give us a target sell price of $31.10. I, I mean, I... I think there's great opportunities here in yep. office real estate. Yeah, I, I think there is too. You got to be careful though. You got to yep. look at where they're located, what they're doing, uh, what's their occupancy rate now, other buildings, what they're projected to be. So you got to be careful because I know, no doubt in my mind, there's going to be commercial real estate REITs that probably go bankrupt because they're they're over leveraged. They can't weather the storm. We did look at the debt to equity here, not over leveraged. I, I think it was what 68 or something. I said so. This is one of the stronger ones. I think it could be too early to the party. Sometimes better be too early than too late. But I think you could see more problems. And again, when I looked at the price, I at thirteen thirty-five. I know that's well below what we sold it for before. Um, so I, I, I want to put this on the watch list. I think is what I'm thinking. Yeah, and I kind of want to bring up a point there. You got to understand where these buildings are. I do worry about downtown San Diego. I do worry about downtown New York. I, I worry about these more er, er, um, kind of downtown type areas mm-hmm. because a lot of people have moved out of there. I think if you have like a commercial building, I'll just use San Diego here, right. in Scripps Ranch, let's say, right. or in Mira Mesa, or in even Carmel Valley, kind of these more suburban areas, I think those office real estate investment trusts are going to do very, very well moving forward. And I do think people will return to the downtown scene. Yeah. But the problem is, I worry it could take two, three, four years. Mm-hmm. If these REITs have too much concentration in the downtown areas, can they last? Right. Right. That's the big issue. And the other thing I wanted to bring up, I, I was talking to a, a gentleman that's in commercial real estate. He's a uh, commercial real estate broker, and he works with tenants and so forth as well. And he works at Cushman Wakefield. And he was saying the studies that they're seeing, about 80, 85% of people want to go back to the office. Mm. I, I like to hear that because I, I think they should go back to the office. Yeah. 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 And I really do think two to three years from now, I don't think this whole work from home thing is going to be as exciting. If you and let's say you're married and you and your wife both work from home, Ooh, I don't know how that's going to be on the relationship. <laughs> you're, you're not married yet. All the so, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's speculating there. <laughs> but I, I think there's a lot of excitement around it right now, but you miss that human interaction. You, you miss getting to know your coworkers. You miss that really team element that, right. that you get from the, the office environment. I just don't see how we don't have offices five years from now. And, and I agree with that. I think by 2025, it's like, 
COVID what? What was that? And, and it reminds me of the, the great pandemic back in, what, 1918? Uh, there was a huge boom after that pandemic that just exploded. Um, and back then, it was, it was really a pandemic because people did not know about hygiene. They didn't know about a lot of these different things. So it was much worse. Here, we know like simple things like washing your hands, uh, you know, keep some distance from somebody. And, and you kind of, you know, it's so funny. When you have a cold, you don't go around people. You, you see the nose running, you, you stay away. The same thing here. You have common sense. So I think by 2025, it's going to be a whole different ball game. This is not going to last forever. The people say, oh, this is new. Well, they say the new normal. New normal. I don't think it's a new normal. I think it's a change some things, but it's not changed everything dramatically. So point being is look at the company. I think you're right. Uh, you know, For now, you got to make sure that those office buildings are not all concentrated in one area in a downtown. You know, we'll, we'll say Seattle or downtown Houston or whatever. Make sure that that REIT does have them kind of spread out and, and see what they have. Yeah. So, yeah. I, but I, I'm very excited about that space. I, I think there could be huge opportunities. And I, I would even venture to say over the next three years, a, a Piedmont could be up 100, 150%, not to mention the dividend you get. And, and you know, and this is what our show is about and how we manage money. This is the difference between investing and speculating and gambling. Uh, when you're looking at the value of something today and say, where will that be two, three, four years down the road? That's where the real money is made. People that actually trade and like, oh, I'm, I'm going to buy Zoom and oh, you, you know, I'm up 20, 30, 40%. Oh, I'm so smart. Uh, they generally lose that money. It's not true valuable money because the trade, they can lose it just as easy as they made it. But when you invest for the long term, you build wealth is what you do. And even, I just said three years, three years sometimes is a short time frame for us. A lot of times we hold our companies much longer than that. But the problem is with that caveat, I talk about three years you could do very well on it. You could buy, and as I said, I wouldn't say buy Piedmont right now. You got to do more research on it. But let's say you did buy Piedmont. It could go down another 20%. Oh, why why did you say buy Piedmont? I'm down 20%. (laughs) Three years from now, you could be doing very well for the next one, two months. Nobody's knows where the exact bottom is. Uh, as Benjamin Graham said, who was a uh, uh, teacher for Warren Buffett, uh, on the short term, the market's a voting machine. On the long term, it's a weighing machine. And that's the big difference. you got to look at what you're buying into and forget about the short-term trading. That's why many people invest terrible. The returns, the average investors average, what, 2.9% over the last 20 years because yeah. they let their emotions get into play. And they sell because, oh, I bought it at 20, now it's at 15, I'm selling to get out. They missed the investment part. They just looked at the the number. So, all right, phone number is 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to Lakeside and speak with David. David, you're in the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Morning, fellas. How you doing? Yeah, good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you fine. All right. Yeah, I was looking at uh, stock uh, lithium. LTHM is the uh, is, is a stock symbol. They uh, they deal in, in lithium batteries and and things like that for electronic vehicles. And I see the name that I'm coming up as Livet Corporation. That's correct. That's correct. Okay, I want to make sure I got the right company. Okay, well let's take a look at the, again. The company is Livet Corporation symbol. L 
THM. Not a great start in the P.E. ratio, 95, but compared to the industry, it's not material, so that is a positive in that respect. We do see that price of sales are expensive, 4.8 versus 2.1. Price to book value, 2.6 versus, again, not material for the industry. And price to cash flow, 37 versus 15. So that is more expensive than the industry, which is not good. Now, we do see a year-over-year sales were down 30.3%, industry down 5%, and earnings per share for the company fell by 82%, but the industry down 2,476%. Looking at the balance sheet, uh, you got a pretty good current ratio here, 3.5 versus 1.7. Debt to equity is 36.5 versus 52. So that's good for a company like this because we know they're growing. They don't have a balance sheet weighed down with debt, so they can weather and wait the time to really turn things around. Unfortunately, return on equity, not very good. 2.9 versus 3.1 negative. Net profit margin, 5.6 versus negative 4.7. And receivable turnover is 3.6 below the industry at 4.4. And inventory turnover, 2.6, almost the same as the industry at 2.9. Chase, what do you got for earnings going forward? Yeah, so looking at the uh, current price here for Livent Corporation, it's $10.21. 52-week high here, $12.53. And 52-week low is $3.95. So I worry a little bit just based off the price appreciation. That's a huge, huge gain from the bottom there. Wonder how much higher it can go. Now, looking forward to December 2021, I do see estimated earnings per share of $0.29. Cents. That would give us a target sell price of, unfortunately, just $4.70. So, this is definitely more of kind of a, a trend investment where, oh, lithium batteries and electric cars, it's the future, and you might be able to play a little on the momentum of that. But uh, in terms of the valuations, it, it's definitely expensive there, David. Yeah, and, and also, too, I think you're right. I mean, this is more of a future company, growth company. It's it's. I see why you like it. But for us, we're, we're conservative. We, again, want to buy those good investments. Uh, just don't know if there's a future for this company. Uh, could be very bit, could be very bright, could be gone. So we just would not feel comfortable investing in this company. All right, David? Oh, I appreciate that. I, the good part is I haven't bought it yet. Sounds like I won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, it'd, be, it'd be very speculative, yes. And one of these days, I'll pick a stock that you guys like. All right. Well, keep trying. We'll, I'm sure we'll find one. <laughs> Good talking to you, fellas. Thanks. You too, David. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. Let's head out to Kansas and speak with Randy. Randy, you're in the Smart Invest Show, Brent and Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, Brent. Good morning, Chase. How you guys doing? Good, good. Long time no hear from you. Yeah, it's been a while. Been a while. Hey, uh, I wanted to get your take on Bed Bath and Beyond. I've I've been I've owned it now for probably about four years, and I I bought it obviously high, and I've just been patient, waiting and waiting and waiting. You know, they've got a new CEO, and he's doing some things. Uh, the stock has kind of been rising here the last week or two. Um, and I know it's. I know they're making some changes with their floor plans and things like that. Um, I'm still down on my stock, but I'm, I'm getting closer to where my uh, cost average is. I'm just trying to decide whether maybe go ahead and sell now and cut my losses, or should I go ahead and hold on a little bit longer and see if I can at least recoup all my money? So, 
uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, BBBY. All right, and let's take a look at the, this company here. Again, the company is Bed Bath and Beyond. The symbol is BBBY. And yes, this company has turned the corner. I, I, they've done the, they, they've done a lot of things. They changed a lot of things. They sold their Christmas stores, which I never got that concept mm-hmm. because it's only good really one two months out of the year. The rest of the year, nobody goes into yeah. them. So the, the, right. they're really doing some main things here. So let's, let's look at the numbers. See if we're going to find anything worthwhile to hold on to. Uh, we do see, unfortunately, no PE ratio, which means over the last 12 months, they have no earnings. However, price to sales, you're only paying 0.32 versus 1.3 for the industry. Price to book value, very attractive. 1.9 versus 28.2 for the industry. Price of cash flow does look expensive, though. 27.9 versus 12.7. The company does not pay a dividend. Uh, sales year-over-year year are down 15.2%. Industry was up 05 However, earnings per share for Bed Bath & Beyond were up 67% when the industry was down 105 So I know they're doing some things. And again, they did sell some stores. That could be part of it with uh, some sales. But you want to kind of understand the balance sheet and the income statement a little bit more. But still looking pretty good there. Looking at the balance sheet, we do see still a good balance sheet. Current ratio 1.5, just ahead of the industry at 1.4. Debt to equity only 76 versus 123 for the industry. So they do have time to turn things around. No one's going to force them into bankruptcy because they don't owe a lot of money, apparently. Return on equity, a negative 13 versus a negative 1.3. Net profit margin, a negative 2.4 versus a negative 0.18. No receivable turnover. Inventory turnover is 3 versus 3.4. Chase, I'm really curious what the earnings are going forward for this company. Yeah, before we get into that, I was just kind of sitting here thinking about the whole Christmas store thing. And I was thinking, too, they have you know the Halloween store that pops up. I, I forget what it's called, but you'll see them kind of pop up. I think it's just a Halloween I store. Even, I don't even yeah. think they're around this year because yeah. obviously people are. Halloween's been kind of canceled. Yeah. I think it's yeah. called Spirit. Yeah, Spirit. That's what Spirit. it is. Yes, yes. Spirit is the name of the uh, Halloween store there. But I've never understood. You have a Christmas store, a Halloween store. Why wouldn't you just be like a seasonal? store where you change each season to whatever is there. I mean, it's kind of almost like more of probably Party City's business model, where during the off-season of the holidays, you have the party stuff, because people will still be doing that. But birthdays, anniversaries, they still come around. It was just something I was kind of thinking about and never understood. Yeah, yeah. and I remember driving, there used to be one downtown San Diego, uh, coming up to, I I guess, Hillcrest area, and I looked to the left, and July, and there's this Christmas store. Nobody in it. Yeah. So. Makes no sense. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> we got a little, right little change there. But going back to the numbers here, current price for Bed Bath & Beyond, $24.84. 52-week high, $25.76. And 52-week low, $3.43. So I definitely give you the credit there, Randy, for riding all the way down to $3.43. I know it's well, come up. Well, I'll tell you what. If it, oh, go ahead. If it wasn't for you guys, if it wasn't for you listening to you guys over the last several years, my emotions would have got to me. <laughs> I would have failed. But I was like, nope. Brent and Chase say, no emotions, just ride it out. No, I'm just, I'm looking at the numbers, and I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to go bankrupt or something one of these days. I'm going to lose everything. But, but I've ridden it all the way back up here, and I'm, I'm kind of optimistic about just holding on and, and trying to recoup, at least recoup my money, or at least some of it, you know. So, anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no, no, no worries, no worries. Yeah, it's, it's good to kind of know. I just want to give you guys a little little bit of credit for helping my emotions. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, there, there's no emotions, just results. So, when you invest, we'll, we'll yeah. see us at management. But, um, and I can't remember the name, but there's a group that came in, and I think they took a big position, and that's what's turning things around. That um, and right. their earnings last quarter, I think, gosh, I don't have the exact numbers. They were looking for a loss in the quarter, and they actually came in with a profit. 
happened. It was a huge, huge beat. And I think they've really yeah, done a I lot did. of great things with online, which is one of the reasons that they are succeeding here in terms of the stock price, at least off that low. Yeah. I think I think they beat by seventy three cents, if I remember right. Yeah, it, it was a huge by about seventy three cents. Yeah. Did you get the earnings yet, Chase? Uh, yeah, I was just about to give out the okay. target sell price yeah. here. Um, they do report on a fiscal year, so their their fiscal year ends February two thousand twenty two. So if we look out to there, I see uh, estimated earnings of a dollar and sixty six cents would give us a target sell price at twenty six dollars and eighty nine cents. So it is kind of approaching that level there, Randy. Of ah, maybe you should sell. I mean, I can tell you if it did hit 16.2, we would sell. But I will tell you a caveat we have. February is coming up yep. kind of quickly here. You look out there, the estimated earnings per share, $2.43, would drastically increase that sell price. So I would definitely say keep an eye on it. If it continues to shoot up like this, you might need to sell and look for something else. But, you know, for right now, I'd say Stay patient. Things look pretty good. Definitely want to understand what's going on with the online sales and why that turnaround was successful and will it continue to be successful. And, and Randy, the other thing, too, that we do is that uh, every Monday we do our Monday numbers. We cover all the earnings, mm-hmm. all the numbers of all our companies, um, and we actually right. record it so we can go back three years and say, well, what was the earnings back on you know March of, of 2017? We can actually look at that. That's one thing, too, you want to mm-hmm. think about because this new company that came in or this, this hedge fund, whoever it is, doing all these changes, you could see over time each week, perhaps the earnings estimates go up from a dollar sixty-six to a dollar sixty-eight to a dollar seventy-five, which would keep rising your target sell price. So you have to watch these numbers on a weekly basis because you'd hate to say you sell it in three months because well, Brent Chase said you know sell it at uh, what did you say twenty-six or something twenty-six eighty-two and you didn't check the right. earnings. Well, shoot, now the earnings for February twenty twenty-two are now two dollars a share, which would give you a target sell price of probably around thirty. So you got to stay okay. on top of these businesses. All right. Okay, I appreciate that. Okay, ready? Well, thanks so, for calling. Do you think it? Do you yeah. think it make any sense at all to maybe sell a portion of it? Because it it is about. I was just figuring a little bit ago. It's probably at least six or seven percent of my portfolio, um, and it's one of my worst performers, actually. Yeah, yeah, I, I would uh, but, say. But I, but I but I feel like it's got it's just about to get back up there to where maybe I wouldn't lose any of it. You know. But, yeah, it's a business. It's six percent of your portfolio. I'm fine with that. If you say it's like fifteen percent, I say yeah, pair it back. But it's six percent. I'd say no. Just stay with it. And and again, they they okay. seem to be turning things around. But watch those numbers closely because things can change positive. Also, go back to negative as well. Already? Okay. All right. Sounds great, guys. I appreciate it. All right, Andy. Good to hear from you. Bye bye. Yeah, have a good day. You too. Bye bye. All right. That opens the phone line 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Let's go to one of our Facebook, uh, gosh, longtime followers, Tom Hale. And he lives in Germany. And I, I always forget to ask him, why do you live in Germany? Maybe I did a long time ago. I'm not sure why he's in Germany. But he says, uh, if you have time, would you please take a look at LHX, which is L3 Harris Technologies Incorporated? I like the valuations and earnings projections. Thanks, Tom, your biggest fan from Germany. So we got, you know, we're worldwide, I guess, on our show here. So let me, I got to pull up the numbers. You know what, do, do you want to give first, Chase, since I got to pull up? up here the um uh what you got for the earnings you have the earnings up on on that or can you find it uh i do not what was the ticker symbol again it was l h x all right so uh, actually i've it. never heard of this company so. i didn't know either so 
uh, L3 Harris Technology. I, I got it. So yeah, yeah, let me start off with a, the company comparison here to see what uh, what those look like. And and I know I know Tom's been around for a long time, following us for a long time. And uh, Tom, you have to, to tell me why you live in Germany. I think you did one time before, and I kind yeah. of forgot. Yeah. So, but anyways, uh, L3 Harris Technologies Incorporated. Uh, not a bad start. PE ratio 29.3 versus 44 for the industry. Price of sales 2.1 versus 1.5. Unfortunately, no price to tangible book value for the company and the industry, but price to cash flow does look good. 16.5 versus 32. They do pay a small dividend of 2%, use 53% of the earnings to pay that out. Their sales year over year up 169%, industry down 1.6. Earnings per share, however, fell by 24.5% when the industry was down 60%. I got a question how can you have that great a sales growth, but yet earnings go negative? You want to understand that. Current ratio 1.5, about the same as the industry at 1.4. Debt to equity, very good, 31. And I say that because the industry has a debt to equity of 138. That's very high. Return on equity is 10.4 versus 10.6. Net profit margin, 7.1, more than double the industry at 3.3. Receivable turnover is 7.8 versus 4.6. Inventory turnover, very high, 22 versus 2.5. Chase, what do you got for the earnings? Yeah, I did want to look at what the company is first, and now that I kind of look at it, it, it is a little bit more familiar. It is an aerospace and defense company. Oh. So, um, I, the name sounds somewhat familiar, but as I said, not super familiar with what the company does exactly in that that realm of aerospace and defense, but could be interesting. Let's take a look here at the numbers, though. Current price, $174.37. 52-week high, $230.99. And that 52-week low, $142.01. Now, if we go out to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share of $12.89. That would give us a target sell price of $208.82. So on the valuation front, eh, things look okay. And, um, you know, I, I think there is another defense company out there we like a little bit better, but right. this one does look okay, I'd say. And how far away is it from the target sell price? I didn't calculate that yeah, exactly. Yeah, because one, two, oh, I mean, I don't think it's quite 30%, which is kind of our margin of error that we like to play with. Um, Threw me off there. Sorry about that, yeah. He's got to figure it out there. So I bet you about 20% some percent. 20% right on the dot. Yep. So, yeah, so not quite worth getting into because we'd like to see the pullback in that price or an increase in the earnings per share to justify that. So, still a hold at this point in time. Yep. All righty. Let's go back to the phones here. Let's go up to Orange County and speak with Mike. Mike, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you out? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Well, hey, thanks quick for being note. Uh, 1976, I bought a six-pack of Billy Carter beer, I believe. It was a, it was the President's <laughs> Brothers beer yes, company. Yes, I remember that one. I, thought that, I was hoping that would pay for college for my kids someday. I've been carting that six-pack around for, what, 45 years, and it's worth about $12 now. So, <laughs> and, and what did you pay for it? Oh, I mean, I'm probably at the time it was three fifty for a six pack, maybe. Well, see, the, uh, the problem but, is you you didn't buy enough of it because three fifty to twelve that's almost a four hundred percent return. I mean, it's not terrible, <laughs> or unless you tried to drink the beer. <laughs> yeah, no, in fact, there's still beer in the cans as we speak. Um, I'll have to fire up my time machine and go buy another case of it. So. There you go. I was uh, sorry to interrupt you, Mike, but it's so funny. Uh, one of my friend's dads has uh, a beer, and it just it was one of the generic generic brands, and it just says beer 
on the front of the can. <laughs> and he's kept it, never drank it. And same thing, I think he got it in college and <laughs> just has it for a keepsake. But I was like, what is this? It just says beer yeah. on the front. So. You, you know what? I, th- I, th- I think I'm going to go out and buy a six-pack of Tab. And, uh, Mike, I'm going to give you $13 for that six-pack of, <laughs> of, of Billy Bear, and I'll put it up on my bar behind my... <laughs> uh, do I have to pay capital gains on that? <laughs> yeah. We'll keep it private so the IRS won't know. <laughs> what can we do for you? <laughs> uh, Verizon. Um, I actually called you guys a couple weeks ago about AT&T, and I was debating whether to go with the Verizon or AT&T for the uh, maybe 5G play, and also both have a nice dividend. Um, I've kind of settled in with Verizon, and I'm just trying to find out... Uh, um, it seems like it's uh, uh, been dropping a little bit the last month or so, and um, wondering if it was uh, the rumor, the rumor issue. You know, it was buy on rumor, sell on fact. Yep. Um, the 5G thing hasn't really played out as well as it. I think people were hoping to, at least for now. Yeah, I think the the total 5G thing could be way out there. And and the other thing too, I got to tell you before I go to the numbers is a, a personal story because um, I, I've I've been a Verizon customer for since the 90s, a long time. And I was going to switch from Verizon to Spectrum because Spectrum doesn't charge any fees or taxes. And I was going to pay for two lines, unlimited data and calling. It was like going to be 70 bucks or something. I thought, well, shoot, I'm going to switch from Verizon. It's charging me 200 to a Spectrum that's going to charge me $60 a month for the same thing, unlimited data and everything. Well, I called up Verizon told I was going to change. Guess how much I'm now paying at Verizon? It's not 60 but it's about 80 bucks a month. I don't know how a business can stay in line or stay in business if you cut your your sales from $200 a month down to 80 just to retain a customer. Now, I, hopefully only you and I are listening because we don't want anybody else to know because if people start doing that, I, I, I don't know how they're going to stay in business. It just worries me on the profits because I was going to switch. And they said, well, no, here, we'll do this for you. And it's a special deal. I think it lasts for a year or something. But the competition is very hard. That's why Warren Buffett we talk about that moat. There is no moat at all for AT&T, Verizon. Now you got Spectrum in there trying to do wireless as well. Uh, it does worry me long term on what they are going to be able to charge. Well, I will say that I don't think Spectrum is going to be as high-end in terms of the 5G. I do think Verizon and AT&T have invested mm-hmm. a lot more in that, so I think that's maybe what they're trying to do is keep you around another year until that comes out. But what we were talking earlier is, me personally, I know the 5G can download movies a lot faster. There's some benefit to it. I, I'm just not a big tech guy. I was like, I, right. I don't I don't need to pay the extra thing for the 5G. I, I just don't see the benefit for me just yet. And maybe in three years it will be there for me, but right now I don't see the big benefit to it. Um, but point is, I do think Verizon and AT&T are going to have a better 5G build-out than a Spectrum. But the other thing that people don't understand, too, is you know how Spectrum gets their their signal? Through Verizon. So, I think as Verizon's mm-hmm. doing the 5G, Spectrum might say, okay, I, I don't know what their contracts are, but it's a very competitive thing. But let's look at the numbers here for you. We, we kind of got off track, but it, 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 not really, because you have to understand the business, not just the numbers. And that's why we're kind of talking about this. So, coming again, we're looking at as Verizon Communications, symbol is VZ. PE ratio, 12.6. That's very good, because the industry's at nothing, not material. Price to sales looks good, 1.9 versus not material. Uh, we do see price to book value, 3.8. Uh, you know what? I don't think that the industry average came up on Verizon here. No, I got nothing on all these. So I'm just going to give you the numbers on the company, and we'll, we'll judge it from there. What I don't like seeing is price to book value, not material. I know they spent a lot of money on growing the business, so that's why they had probably a lot of goodwill on the balance sheet. Price of cash flow looks good at 6.9. 
We do see a dividend uh, yield of 4.3. They use 53% of their earnings to pay that out. Now, sales are down 1% year over year, but earnings are up 20.9%. How do you grow earnings at 20.9% when sales are down? Got to answer that question. Do not like seeing the balance sheet here with a current ratio of 1. Debt to equity, 180. They're borrowing a lot to do all this build out. Will they be able to stay in business? Got to check that out and make sure because that could be a problem down the road for them. Debt. We don't like debt. A lot of debt in the balance sheet. Return equity, very good, 32. Uh, we do see net profit margin, 15.2. And receivable turnover, 5.3. Inventory turnover 43. Chase, what do you got for earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Verizon $58.05. It's still kind of near its 52 week high is $62.22 and 52 week low $48.84. Now, look out to December 2021. I see estimated earnings per share of $4.93 would give us a target sell price of $79.87. So the valuation looks good there. One other thing I was just thinking about too, Mike, did they acquire Yahoo? And it, I wonder how that's you know, going. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> I, I haven't. I have never done the full like research into Verizon because we've never really looked at buying it. But I remember they bought Yahoo a few years ago. But I feel like I've never heard anything about how that acquisition has paid off. I don't think it's paid off very well for us. My guess. So, and and Mike, who do you use for your uh, provider? Uh, I actually use Verizon. I've been really happy with it. It's expanded coverage too over the last few years. So from that standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with the company. Um, just again, concerned that it's you know it hasn't really gone anywhere this year. It's uh, seems like it's it's come down from its high, and it's um, trying to figure out where it's going to end up at here. And Mike, what do you what do you pay per month with Verizon? Um, I, I have a family plan. I think I pay about uh, one eighty. Okay, but I'm going to call and find out what I could do about that. <laughs> well, we'll call call Spectrum first. Call the competitor. Try to get a number from them, and then call Verizon. And say, well, look, you know, I'm going to get this number over here. I'm I'm going to leave. And give us a call back. Let us know if you got that. Because I, I, I don't think I'm anybody special. I was just Brent Wilsey calling to kind of get a better deal on my plan. So I, I think you should get the same plan. Anybody else I think is paying more than $100 a share or share, $100 per, per month, um, I, I think you should look to see if, hey, I'm going to reduce that. If not, I'm going to go to Spectrum or AT&T or somebody else. So check it out. Let us know. I will. Yes. Appreciate the call, guys. Thanks for the information. Okay, Mike. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Take care. Well, that, uh, I say open up the phone line, but nah, we only got about three minutes left. But it was a great show. We had some great things with Verizon, with the the beer yeah. tab. <laughs> great show. I, I, I do kind of want to look at that a little bit more, though. I'm curious. The Billy Bear? No, no, no. The, the <laughs> Yahoo acquisition. I, I, I still am like, I don't know how that integrated into Verizon's business. You know, you know, and and uh, I I totally forgot about that as well. And maybe that's one reason why they have a higher debt because they probably borrowed to buy that. Yeah. Um, and I know that um, uh, you know because we use Yahoo Finance here, but we don't pay anything. I know it's for the advertising and so forth that they have all the commercials on there. But I mean, I'm, uh, I'm kind of looking at like a you know, obviously AT and T bought Time Warner, right? I wonder. Or that makes more sense to me because yeah. you can kind of bundle some things in there to, to make it an attractive deal. Oh, okay. So you maybe get more people on your, your AT&T plan because you can maybe get HBO Max. I mean, they've talked about creating this this bundle kind of like Apple does. I don't see why the Yahoo acquisition makes sense for Verizon. That, that's the one thing I just never understood with it. Yeah. And, and it's and I don't... We use Yahoo, but only for this. I don't know anybody else who use Yahoo. It's usually Google they use or other things. I don't I know. I use Yahoo for my email. Oh, you do? Yeah. I have Gmail. Everybody's always shocked because my, yeah. my email address is, you know, 
blank at ymail.com. Why'd you say blank? Don't want people to send me an email? They have my business email. I don't want my personal email getting flooded here. But nobody knows about Ymail. It's Yahoo. Ymail? Ymail. I've never heard of that. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, it's an interesting thing, but that's my my email. So I use them for that. And how much you pay for that? Nothing. Nothing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so why did they do that? Uh, I, I, I just, I feel like, and again, I would be lost without our Yahoo Finance because we do use it. I do like that. Mm-hmm. But the rest of Yahoo, I never go there. Uh, I, I, I used to have, uh, I, I think, uh, Ymail as well or something because I see this little thing where it's got like, oh, hundred messages. Like, right, somebody sent me there. You're not gonna hold me. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know yet. I want to talk to you. <laughs> you know? So, but, um, but compared to Google, the, you know, I, I have Gmail. Yeah. Um, but. Yahoo, yeah. So when are you going to have that for next week's show? I don't know. Maybe I'll see how much time I got this week. (laughs) All right. I won't work you too hard. (laughs) All right. There's a closing bell. Thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only. It should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And be sure to visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. 2000.com and for more daily educational information along with investment tips go to our facebook page smart investing with brent and chase wilsey today's show is sponsored in part by thompson reuters closing song my way is performed by a local entertainer roman palacios have a great day we'll talk more next week right here on the smart investing show this program is sponsored by wilsey asset management